This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I'll show you a couple things out of the bookstore that'll help you with that as you're turning there. Get to Matthew chapter 12. I love to teach the Bible, to teach people how to win in life. God doesn't want you broke, doesn't want you sick, doesn't want you depressed. God wants you to win the battles in life. You know, uh, the devil's out there attacking all the time Christians, non-Christians. But the difference is we have the tools to resist and to win the attacks. We have the name of Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Ghost. We have the Word of God. The most important thing we've got is we have Jesus in our heart. And when we speak words of authority in His name, we win. And so, uh, I wrote this whole lesson down. They didn't have a title for it. When I got up, I put the closer on there. Control your mouth, control your life. I thought, wow, that'll be the title. Amen. And you'll see that the Word of God will really help you. And I want to show you some books up front. This here is a really awesome book, Redeemed from Poverty, Sickness, and Spiritual Death. And I believe that's the very first book that Brother Hagin ever wrote way back in either the late 60s or early 70s. And these books I'm showing you tonight are books I have in my personal library that have helped me for years and years and years and years and helped me get myself trained to win in life. And this book here is awesome. You are redeemed from the curse that's on this earth. You're redeemed from that. But just because you're redeemed doesn't mean it's going to fall on top of you like, like wild cherries uh, fly off, fly, fall off a tree. You know, fruit falls off a tree sometimes. You pick it up off the ground. But that's not the way you get this. You get this by being serious about Jesus and His Word. You know, I think about, you know, that man, mankind is redeemed from eternity in hell apart from God. And the whole thing is, the gospel's preached and people hear, some receive, some reject. They reject it. It's not their fault if they don't get to go to heaven when they die. They rejected what God offered to them. But it's the same thing for Christians. All the other blessings of God are laid out right here in the Word of God. Some Christians choose when they see in the Word of God what belongs to them, do what it takes to get it. And some choose to think, well, you know, I, 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 like, I like being saved, but I don't want to be that saved. No, you want to be as saved as you can get. Anyway, that, and then here's one from Brother Caps that when I was a truck driver years ago, I used to carry this in my shirt pocket. And when I was making delivery somewhere, I had a little bit of time for somebody came out to unload my truck. I'd pull that out and I'd start reading out of it. And this is just pages and pages of Bible verses in first-person confession that you confess over you. By his stripes, I am healed. I'm a tither. God rebukes the devourer for me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't have to be depressed. And you start reading things out like that. And what are you doing? You're building the Word of God into your spirit. And that card I gave you. The, uh, when I first walked into what was my, became my home church by a pastor back on uh, the Sunday before Labor Day in 1980, that little white card I gave you, my pastor was hand, handing out to all the people in the church way back in uh, September 1980. And I've kept those cards for years. I've reprinted them and reprinted them and reprinted them and reprinted them and handed them out because those cards right there will help you build the Word of God into your consciousness. And I'll tell you what, we're going to look at the Word tonight, and you're going to see why that's so important. And then here's another good one. We're coming into summer. Here's faith food for summer. 
Now, this, this, this is a little, little Bible lesson, just a really little short lesson for every day of the month in the summertime. Then we got it back there also for spring and fall and winter. But anyway, in the morning time, when I first get up and get to going, I like something simple. So I read this. There's always a little faith lesson on healing, uh, prosperity, delivers from whatever it is the devil's pouring at you. Anyway, it's all right here, little bite-sized nuggets that really help you to grow in the Lord. That's what you've got to do if you want to be a victorious Christian. Somebody said, Amen or oh me. Amen. Amen. So Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 through 37. Jesus said, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. The tree is known by his fruit. And so Jesus is talking about trees right here. He always gave natural illustrations to get across spiritual truths. And then he's getting ready to explain what he means in the next few verses here. And I want you to notice verse 30, uh, 34 then. He said, O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak uh, good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, I want you to notice again, verse 33, he said, the tree is known by its fruit. And then as he shifts into talking about believers and what comes out of their mouth, we can say this, a tree is known by its fruit, but a believer is known by his words. A believer is known by his words. That's what he's getting ready to tell us about right here. And so then verse 34, he says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaketh. That means whatever's in your spirit, whatever's in your heart. What is in your mind the most, that's what you're going to talk about the most. And so you can always locate a person in spiritual things simply by listening to their words. Simply by listening to their words. I know that for me as a pastor, I learned years ago in the prayer line when people come up for prayer, I can just, if I, if I want to just be a religious pastor, I can just pray, oh, God bless you. God bless them, Lord. I want to thank you in Jesus' name. But if they're coming up here, and I'm believing for divine healing, but they're believing for successful surgery, then I've got to shift my faith. I've got to hook up with what they're saying. Because God God sometimes can override somebody's what they're saying and do something. But basically, I've learned over the years that they're confessing, 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 that uh, I want all I want to do is just get surgery, get this done. I know it'll take me six months, a year to recuperate. I'd say, well, Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 17, lay hands sick, they shall recover. James 5, 14, he said, call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them all in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. Well, that's what Jesus' best is. But also Jesus can guide the hands of the surgeon. He'd bring them through where they are. And so we have to know in life that whatever it is we want God to do, we have to start getting ourselves programmed with this word to believe him for what we want him to do. So we'll start talking about what we want him to do. You know, I think about so many times I've seen in the job arena. 
that people automatically talk themselves out of getting a job God wants to bless them with. Sinners can go get a job anywhere. So why can't Christians, with the favor of God, that are tithers, that God opens the windows of heaven on them, pours out His blessing on them, surrounds them with favor, and all the things that God does to open doors to them, why can't Christians get those jobs? Because they talk themselves out of it. They say, I'll never get it. They'd ever get me. I got that on my record from the last time. Well, the last time I did this didn't go well. Well, if you're praying to believe in God and you're going in for an interview, man, if you got something they're going to find anyway, just tell them about it up front. I mean, the worst they can do is say, well, sorry, we can't hire you. Or they say, you know what? Let us check into that. I think we can work around that. But the whole thing is, your mouth has everything to do with what God's going to do for you in life. Amen. And so, a believer is known by his words. And so, you could locate, you could locate a believer, where they're walking at, what they're believing. If you just keep your mouth shut for about five minutes, let them talk about life. As they're talking, you're going to find out where they are. And then I know that for me, as a serious believer for years, for as a pastor, I always want to bring people up to another level. As a pastor, I always want to bring people up to another level. So I've learned to keep my mouth shut, not do all the talking, let them talk so I'll find out where they are, see where I can help them. It doesn't make any difference what I believe when you're going through a crisis. It makes a difference what you believe. I can pray and get some temporary mercy for you. I can pray and get the devil to back off. But then what you say after I pray is going to determine what you get in life. And so that's what I try to do is find out where people are. And the only way you can find out is Jesus said it right here. He said, by your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. In other words, by your words, you'll win. Or by your words, you'll lose. And so we as believers have to know that, uh, you know, I know we always, we always want to not hurt somebody's feelings. And somebody comes to you for prayer, they come to me for prayer. It's so easy just to pray a prayer to get about it. Oh, God, just thank you for doing a miracle, Lord, like that. And you can pray that if you want to. But I, I would rather locate somebody and try to get something into them to pull them up a little bit. At least pray something for them to get them a temporary blessing till we can get a build up that they want build up. To get to where they can hook onto it. Because, you know, it, it's so easy for a believer... To get a miracle for a non-believer. It's so easy for a believer to get a miracle for a baby Christian. But for them to keep what God gives, they've got to get something going with their heart and their mouth. They've got to get something happening. How many are familiar with Mark 11.23? Mark 11.23, that's, that's, that's another for your card, Dominic. Mark 11.22, 23, and 24. But verse 22 says, have faith in God. And the Greek literally says, have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. And the way God released his faith it starts in Genesis chapter 1. It says the earth was without form and void, and it was dark. And God said, I want light. So the King James says, let there be light. But the Hebrew says that God said, light be. Light was. And God said, let the waters cover the earth. He said, water be, water was. Everything that God wanted, God just said, let it be. And that's what happened. So Jesus said, we as believers 
are supposed to use our faith like God used his faith. And then in verse 23, that's verse 22, verse 23, he said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever, whosoever, and in my Bible I wrote that means me, because I'm a whosoever. And that means you, because you're a whosoever. Whosoever shall say, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, whatever your problem is, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not doubt in his heart. There's a difference between your heart and your head. Faith will always work when you have faith in your heart. No matter what your head's trying to say, you just don't yield to the head, you yield to the heart. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith. Those things which he saith. Not those things which he hopeth. Not those things which he wisheth. But those things which he saith shall come to pass. And then this next phrase, I think, I was thinking about this this afternoon. I think this next phrase is one of the most, I don't know what words to put on it, the most revealing words for mankind that Jesus ever spoke. He said, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And somebody said, well, that never works for me. You just proved it. Well, that'll never happen. You just proved it again. You know, I choose to believe Jesus above you. And when Jesus told me I could use my faith like God did, and Jesus told me I'll have whatsoever I saith, I'll tell you what, for me, when I got born again and I heard that, and then I started some of the things I'm going to share with you, and I started seeing those things, I'll tell you what, I became a very silent person for several months. I realized that, wow, all of my trouble was about two inches below my nose, about an inch above my chin. I thought, man, here I was. I thought my ex-wife was my trouble. I thought my mean boss was my trouble. I thought it was the way my dad and mom raised me. Then I come to find out my words hooked up with my heart could change whatever mankind's trying to do to me. My words could change the situation. And so I learned the language of silence. And I tell you what, it's something I say all the time. I don't know if I heard it somewhere, but I've just learned it for myself is this. I like to say it this way. You might want to write this down. I'll do this really help you. Before you can learn the language of faith, you first got to learn the language of silence. Before you learn the language of faith, you've got to first learn the language of silence. In other words, think about a freight train. Has anybody ever seen a freight train? Didn't see very many out in central Indiana, but out here in California we see a few of them. Have you ever noticed that when those trains are loaded with all that weight and all those cars, they don't just stop on a dime? They start putting those brakes and things on, and you hear them for a long ways, go, sometimes squeal and brake drums, but they do it, it takes a long time to stop it, and then if they want to go the other direction, you have to get a stop first before you head back this way. Well, I see that in the faith arena. Your words got you to where you are, and so you got to get silent first to stop that train. 
you're heading in the wrong direction and you don't just have an immediate reversal of the circumstances of life. You've got to stop the bleeding. And so the first thing you've got to do, first thing you've got to do is get that thing shut up. And then you begin to teach it what to say. Start heading in the right direction. You want to get away from poverty and lack. You want to get away from sickness, disease. You want abundance. You want needs met. You want healing and health. You want the blessing of God in your life. You've got to quit talking the curse. Amen. Amen. Do a better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. I want you to look at Proverbs 18.21. Proverbs 18.21. Dominic, I can give you a lot of good verses. I got on my cards that will help you. Amen. Proverbs 18.21 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Shall eat the fruit thereof. And so your words are not to be taken lightly. That word power there comes from words that means authority. And so the power of the tongue means authority in your words. means you can control or allow things to operate your life by the words that you speak. You can control and allow what operates in your life by the words that you speak. You'll open the door for Satan and his evil spirits and things of the curse on the earth. Or you'll shut the door on the devil and his demons and you'll open the door for God to move in your life. He said death and life are the power of your tongue. And so to me that word death there covers a lot of things. I mean, of course it can mean dying. But how about the death of a marriage? Marriages die. Some marriages are revived and they make it, but those words, the power of those words determines a lot of what's going to happen in your home. Children can get on the wrong road, hooked up with the wrong crowd, go the wrong direction. I've seen so many, so many parents, oh boy, why do I have to be a pastor sometimes to say some things I need to say? I never had a rugrat in my house. The Bible says children are a blessing to the Lord. I never called a rugrat in a hundred million years. I can't believe some of the stupid stuff I see Christian parents. Okay. Don't talk about your kids like that. God says your kids are a heritage of the Lord. Said they're a blessing from heaven. Said train them up the way they should go. I look at the death of life, the power of the tongue. Ah, just a bunch of little losers. They never do anything I want to do. Man, all they are is losers. They're going to amount to nothing. Why would you ever want to say that? Is that what you really want for your kids? For my kids, we had eight, so I know something about kids. And out of the eight, we were really blessed. Five daughters. Oh, praise the Lord. Watch out. You teach these people how to talk. One, two, three. Okay. Well, the three, three was like ten daughters. All those girls, all, hey, we love girls. <laughs> I better watch out. No, I'm telling you, I learned, I learned out of all those children that I had to watch my words severely. Especially 
when those little girls get to be about 10 years old, they know everything. And then they get to be 13 or 14 years old, they let you know they know everything. Then they get to be 18 years old, and they really know everything. But the words, the words, the words out of dad's mouth, the words out of dad's mouth, the words out of dad's mouth will turn everything around on the boys and on the girls. And I want to tell you something. Death and life are the power of the tongue means exactly what he said. Your job. I gave the testimony last week back in the 70s, 80s, when Teamster jobs were going out. And my company was going out of business. I said, Tyler could sit over my company and it turned around and we started expanding. Because I knew what I had as a child of God and I knew the devil wasn't going to be able to steal my job. So I kept my words right. I took authority over it. And oh, did I get blessed? But those other guys around me got blessed. And I found out that out so many times. When you get a believer that walks in his covenant, no matter where he's at, to bless him, God will bless everybody around him just to get to the man he wants to get it to. Or the woman. Amen. Amen. And so, death and life. Whatever it is in your life that's trying to die out. If it's not a good dying, sometimes something's got to go. But if there's things in your life that's trying to be destroyed, your tongue has everything to do with it. Let me tell you something. If you don't know what to say, silence. Silence. I'll tell you what. These people used to think I was wacky. But I'm in, in situations dealing with people, they talk to me and say things like that. Before I do the Word of God, what said, how to respond to things right, I just stare at people. They tell me, ain't that right? I think, well, that might be a fact, but it ain't right. I don't know what to say. You know, it might be a fact that will make it right. And so I wouldn't agree with it. I'd just sit and stare. I'd just say, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. How do I get out of here? I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable with this situation. I can't agree with this because I don't want this on my family. I don't want this on my life. I don't want this on my health. I don't want this on my finances. I don't want this in my home. So I don't know what to say. And because I've got authority... I wouldn't say anything. But over the years then, as I've matured as a Christian, I learned how to speak the word in secular terms to be able to get along with people. I learned how to deal with bad situations, yet not put a curse on myself, but be able to speak the truth of God's word to be able to turn things around. Amen. I want you to look at Proverbs 21.23. Proverbs 21.23. And I know that when I, when I first got saved, boy, the Lord took me on a tour through Proverbs for months. But I was so amazed at how much God had to say about our mouth. I did not realize what a troublemaker my mouth was until I started reading the book of Proverbs. And then, of course, started seeing things Jesus had to say. But Proverbs twenty-one twenty-three says this, Whoso keepeth his mouth, or guards his mouth, and his tongue, keeps his soul from troubles. Guard your mouth. Guard your tongue. You'll keep your soul from trouble. So the, in, in, in the spiritual arena, if you just stop to think before you speak, you can stop Satan in his tracks from bringing a lot of trouble your way. There's a lot of things come your way because you don't guard your mouth. You don't guard your words. How many love the Bible? Isn't this so nice to hear from the Bible, not just some preacher telling you what, what, what his opinion is, but what God says? God said, guard your mouth. Guard your words. You'll shut the troublemaker down. Look at Psalms 103, verse 20. Psalms 103, verse 20. 
I praise God for victory in life. For victory in my family. <laughs> yeah, I think about think about my daughters now. We got that turned around. I got I got a I got a daughter that's older than I I'd say most of you that lives in Florida. I got another daughter that lives in Alaska. Got another daughter that lives in New York. Military people, most of them, uh, et cetera. But I'm just thinking about as they were growing up, I'm so grateful I knew how to protect them with my faith and with my words. So they could turn out to be what they are in life, doing what they're doing. But it, it's so wonderful to be able to raise kids in this goofy world we're in. And no matter what's going on around us, know that I can keep trouble out by guarding my words and guarding my mouth over my children. Amen. You know, God, God's talking to people a lot about your kids. He's talking to you about what's going on all around you. And with all the trouble there is out there, you know, I think, I think about a man coming to a fire. He's got two buckets in his head. One of them's full of gasoline. One of them's full of water. He gets to the fire. What's he going to throw on the fire is going to determine what happens to the fire. When you get a fire going on in your kids' lives, what are you going to throw on it? You're going to put it out? Or are you going to cause it to explode? Amen. Somebody said, well, I've got a right. Well, you might have a right, but it might not be the best thing to say at the time. You know, I think about a pastor, about pastoring. What I've learned over the years, there's so many people I've worked with in bad situations, and I knew what I had to tell them, but I knew I couldn't tell them today. I had to wait till they could handle it. Then I could tell them. And see, that's the same way with teenagers. Sometimes there's things going on in teenagers' life. You don't want to blow them away. You don't want to run them out of the house. You want to be able to stick around. Of course, you've got to be able to be the one to run the house. But I'll tell you what, I've seen, I've seen really well how good dictator parents live. The good results dictators have. Little boys, little girls can't wait to get out of there where they got dictator parents. I remember, oh boy. Uh, I remember Bud's truck stop back in Indianapolis. I'd get diesel over there at Bud's truck stop back where I was a preacher. I had this little prostitute girl, about 17 or 18 years old. Come out there, I'd get my fuel about 9 o'clock in the morning when my truck run started. Come out there, proposition me at 9 o'clock in the morning at Bud's truck stop. She worked that place all night long. And every time she would, I'd give her salvation track, said, Jesus loves you. Had I'd offer to pray for her. I just speak words of love to her. And so that girl, that girl, that girl started more and more softened up a little bit. And I remember I didn't see her for a while. One day we was first married. I got a collect phone call somewhere. Was it out in Pennsylvania or somewhere? Oh, how somewhere way long way. I got a collect phone call. It was that girl calling? And she called me and said, I want to thank you for being a real Christian man. I want to thank you for praying with me said, I'm home with my daddy and mommy today. My daddy and mommy are apostolic preachers. And I came back home. Amen. Amen. And so I'm just telling you that you don't want to run them off or they have to come back home. Thanks God they can come back home. But you'd rather keep them the first time. And what, 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 what difference does it make, parents, if you lose a battle as long as you win the war? Wow, well, I love the Holy Ghost, how he helps people. 
Let's get people on the right road. So anyway, Psalm 103, verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments. Now look at this. Hearkening unto the voice of his word. God's angels says, hearken to the voice of his word. That means that the angels of God respond when the word of God is spoken. When a believer speaks the word of God, that gives angels permission to come to battle for them. We're talking about what Jesus said, that our words, our words will move mountains. I can't move mountains, but an angel can. And my words releases angels. There's so many things in life that I can't do, but my words bring angels on the scene when I speak the word of God. And so in the spiritual arena, you've got to always remember there's two sides. On God's side, there's God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God's holy angels. On the other side, there's Satan and his demons. And so according to this verse, when you speak as a believer in line with God's word, the angels are going to go to work to make sure, to make sure that events happen. Circumstances change to cause that word to come to pass in your life. Whether it's getting a job, whether it's healing, whether it's safety and protection. You know, I I think about the airplane thing. I've never, ever, ever, ever been afraid to fly on an airplane since I've been a believer. For one thing, Psalms 91.16 tells me, as a believer, if I'm living for God, I'm doing my best to stay under His safety and protection. He said in Psalms 91.16, with long life. Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? Psalms 34 says the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him and delivers them. Psalms 91 says God's angels lift us up lest we dash our foot against the stone. And so I keep those words out there. I keep those words out there. Whether I'm driving, whether I'm flying, However I'm moving across this country or across across this world, I know I'm going to live a long time. I'm going to live long. I'm going to live strong. How do you know that? Well, the angels, for one thing, are listening to my words. They have permission to protect me. And you know what that means? People around me can be protected too. And also, 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 Jesus said, I'll have whatsoever I saith. And so God's word says, Long life, I say long life. God's word says healing, I say healing. God's word says needs met, I say needs met. God's word says Malachi chapter 3, I like to call it this way, tither's rights. I have rights as a new covenant tither. My rights are the windows of heaven are open on me. I don't have to pray those prayers. Lord, open up the windows. My tithe keeps the windows open in my life. You know, I can't speak for other believers. I speak for my life. God said, bring the tithe in. I open the windows. So I live under open windows. He said, I rebuke the devourer for you. Said, people see you and call you blessed because you're a tither. Amen. Somebody clap or shout or something. Amen. Amen. And so the angels hark to the voice of the words. And, 
And uh, also, write, write these two verses down. Ephesians 4.27 and Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.27 and Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Modern translation says, Don't give the devil an opportunity. That means keep your mouth shut. If you don't know what to say, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Think about it. Uh, some of these things are so unbelievable to a natural mind, nobody would ever believe them. I moved to California in 2005, and I bought a car with a rod knocking. I put about 150,000 miles on that car now, and the rod's still knocking, and the car's still running. Paid $500 for it. I got better cars now, so I don't drive it all that much. But I remember about a year ago, a mechanic that went to our church, goes to other church now, still good friends with him, working on my car, and he said, he said, you know, one of these days you all do something about that rod. I said, well, I said, God's taking care of it, so, you know, there's nothing I need to do about it, Mike. It's been taken care of. You know, that's not my primary transportation now, but it was. That's why I just think about how God causes things to happen and keeps things moving. Somebody said, well, I don't believe that. Well, don't worry about it. It'll never happen for you then. But I believe it because it's happened for me. And it continues to happen for me. You know, I don't like debt. I like to pay cash for cars. I like to have money to spend on my grandkids. Stop thinking about this. If a guy's got eight kids, most of them's married now, they got kids. You don't go out and buy Christmas for $100. You don't, you don't spend, spend $20 on a gift card for one birthday. And buy one card and send it. We got lots of birthday cards. Lots of birthdays. Lots of things. And so I would rather, I would rather have my money for my family than for the Ford dealer. Or whoever else. Alright. This good piece of 427 says, neither give place to the devil. And verse 29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of edifying that may minister grace unto the hearers. And so our words, when we choose to speak contrary to God's holy written word, will give permission to Satan, permission to Satan to do things in our life that brings us trouble. Our words will give God permission to bring blessing into our life. So what's the answer to getting your tongue to speak in line with God's word? What is the answer? Well, remember Matthew twelve thirty four, Jesus said, For the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So the answer is you must make sure you have the knowledge of God's word in your heart in abundance. And, you know, the way I see it is like this. How many here have ever used a simple old thing called a sponge? You know, we got, we got a couple of bars sake we do dishes and stuff with. I got some great big fat fluffy ones in my garage I wash my cars with. And so sponges are sponges. And if you ever noticed it a sponge... That I know when I wash the car, I get it all filled up with all that soap suds. If I squeeze it, soap suds come out. Because that's what's in an abundance. Well, if I get it all rinsed out real good, then just clear water comes out. Because that's what's in an abundance. On the dishes, I've noticed sometimes, if you don't get stuff out of them, stink comes out. Man, they start smelling bad. But when you get them cleaned out with clear water, that comes out. When a believer, your heart is like a sponge. When you're squeezed, you're going to find out what's in you. Is glory to God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, praise the Lord, come out. 
when you get caught off guard, you get hit for crisis. Or is, oh Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. See, that's how you tell what's in your heart in abundance. When the crisis comes, when you're caught off guard, somebody pulls out in front of you at the traffic light there, you hit your brakes, you praise the Lord comes out, you know you're in good shape, but if something else comes out you can't say right now in this church, then guess what? Something else is in you in abundance. <laughs> so what's the answer? Get, your, get the word you in abundance. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us how. But I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible. Because the Amplified Bible says a couple things here that I help, think will help you understand it just a little bit more. Romans 12, 2 Amplified says this, Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. This age fashioned after and adopted to external, superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind. By the entire renewal of your mind. The world is programmed sickness, disease, cancer, death, can't win. Doctors got the last word. I put down on doctors. Doctors are great people. They diagnose what they see. And you better be grateful they do so you know what you're dealing with. But Jesus tells you how to take care of it. So many, uh, what time is it? Oh, so many Christians, because they have not been renewed in their minds by what the Word of God has to say. Well, you know what the doctor said? Well, I know when my son David, who preaches at the church associate pastor, was three and a half years old, he was crippled. Doctor said he had whatever percentages was to live. I don't even know. Because I knew my Bible told me, lay hands on sick, they shall recover. So when David had leukemia, he was crippled. I know what the doctor said exactly. Doctors told us he had the fancy name leukemia. Whatever all the words were before it. He had that. Crippled. They didn't know what made him crippled because they saw it was two different things. I knew what it was. There's a curse on the earth from when Adam and Eve fell. Curse came in. Disease came. Satan's in the earth. Tries to kill people. So all I know is this. When the doctor gave me his diagnosis, I didn't come against anything with him at all. I said, thank you, sir. And they wanted to do chemotherapy stuff. I said, thank you, sir. We'll do that in the name of Jesus. But anyway, behind the scenes, we had hands laid on him. We wasn't limited to what the doctor said. That was the diagnosis that the Bible was the answer. And so I got him into church. I got the elders to anoint him and prayed over him. And two weeks from diagnosis, absolutely full-blown, walking, leaping, praising God, dancing up the halls of the children's hospital. And the doctor said, whole blood, healthy blood, no sign of leukemia. Amen. Amen. But you know, you know how the majority of believers handle things? Well, you know what the doctor said? We better get ready. He said, 95% of them die. Well, you know what they said to me? What I say? 5% of them live. Here's one of the five. Amen. You know, whenever I hear those percentages, they, all, they always seek those death and life of the power of the tongue. It's easier to speak death before life. When they give you a diagnosis or a financial diagnosis or any other kind of thing, they tell you, well, you know what? 80% of them go under. You know what the first thing is? Well, 20% go over. And I'm one of the 20. Amen. 
And so it says, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind. Now listen to this. By its new ideals and its new attitude. Now listen to this, what it says, Amplified Bible. So that you may prove for yourself. So that you may prove for yourself. What is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. You don't have to prove the word to God. God already knows it. It's him. He wrote it. You need to prove for yourself. You need to get your mind renewed. So you think winning and not losing. So you think healing and not diseased. So you think bills paid and not bankrupt. So you think kids trained up the way it should go and staying with it. And so the only way you can control your words to quit speaking death instead of life, cursing instead of blessing, is to reprogram your mind. Like anything else in life, now listen to this, and we'll give you a couple examples here, and I think this will drive it home. It's what the Lord gave me today. To reprogram your minds like anything else in life, like losing weight, saving for a car or a house, start saving money, it all starts with a choice. One day at a time, and sticking with it for an extended period of time. You know how it works for losing weight? You know, I've lost weight before. Has anybody here ever lost weight? You know, it's not fun sometimes. What do you do? You get a very serious decision in you. In you, you make this decision. I don't like this fat anymore. I don't like not being able to button my pants anymore. I don't like not being able to wear that dress. I don't like whatever it is you don't like doing. And you get real serious and say, I'm going to lose weight. And you start doing it. And if you're really serious, you don't quit next week. You don't backslide after a month. You get your goal set and you discipline yourself and you work at it and you work at it and you work at it. You know, if you've ever bought a house or a car and want to save money for it or, or a vacation trip, what do you do? You start denying yourself some of the little frills you were doing. You start putting money aside. You either put it in a savings account or put it someplace at home. You start doing something and you don't still do it for one day. You work at it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And you do that because you got a goal. Your goal is you want to be able to do this and not go into debt to do it. You start saving it. Well, God said that's the same way it is for your mind. You think, man, I would like to be able to quote scriptures like the pastor does. I would like to be able to know, like he says, that healing belongs to me and I don't have to be sick anymore. I'd like to know for sure I can get out of debt have my bills paid off, and have money to do with what I really want to do with it. I would like to know for sure I get my family turned around on a different road. Well, he says, be renewed in your mind. Reprogram your mind. Like losing weight, like saving money, you make the decision. I'm going to buy those books out of the bookstore he talked about. I'm going to start reading one of those little devotions every day. Every day I'm going to read a devotion. I'm going to take that little white card he gave to us as a free gift. Every day I'm going to start reading that card. I'm going to read those verses. I'm going to say it every day. If you'll look at that as serious as you do it, losing weight or saving money, you say, I want my spiritual life turned around. I want my life and my family on a different road. You do that every day, every day, every day. And with the devil and circumstances try to tell you, I don't have time to do this today. Stop and think about it if you're, if you're on a diet and you look back down again, you say, I got time. 
You stop and look what you're driving and know you need a better car. You say, I got time. I'm going to save this money. I'm going to skip that meal. I'm not going to eat that whatever it is today. And you tell yourself, comes the word of God, I've got time to get these verses into my head. I've got time because Jesus said, the buttons of my heart, my mouth speaks. I've got time to get my life turned around. And so you can control your life when you control your words. And so I just really recommend to everybody that's in here, get real serious about the word. You lose weight a half pound at a time, a pound at a time. It's a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. You save your money up a little bit at a time. You start getting the way you think done a little bit at a time. It's a verse by verse. It might take a week sometimes to lose a pound, but praise God, it feels good. It might take a week or two weeks to get a verse to where somebody says, Hey, what's that verse say? He says, Hey, I know what that verse is. I'll tell you what it says. Like, wow, they've been spending time with Jesus. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I preached myself happy. And so where I'm getting ready to go to at this point in time, I would say adios. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you got something out of it. And take those little cards I gave you seriously. That's a gift from God to help you be able to get yourself in order to get your life turned around and get some awesome testimonies coming out of what God's doing in your life. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.